It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Good afternoon, everybody. And if, if you think that life is quiet and calm in New Jersey as it, as it should be, uh, in most places, the week before Christmas, well, then you haven't captured the essence of, of Jersey. Uh, because right now, as we speak, uh, Democrats and Republicans are in their fourth day of closed-door meetings. They are looking to w- redraw all 12 of the state's congressional districts for the 2022 midterms. That's required uh, under the Constitution every 10 years Uh, America takes a census, and these districts need to be redrawn so that they all have equal population. Uh, This this is just a huge deal. Six Democrats and six Republicans and their staffs and their lawyers, they they are all huddled huddled together in a hotel in Cherry Hill. And and, and to be clear from what I'm told, this is this is not exactly a high class kind of kind of place. There are a lot of people there unhappy. The water got turned off during the week and and they've been holed up in this hotel since Wednesday, preparing to negotiate a, a new map. And the stakes are high. Republicans nationally they need to pick up five seats to capture control of the U.S. House of Representatives. And and as many as four of these seats could be in play in New Jersey, depending on how the map goes. Democrats need to shore up four incumbents, Andy Kim in South Jersey and Tom Malinowski in Central Jersey. He only won last time by, by 1% of the vote, and he's in a rematch potentially with... Senate Minority Leader, outgoing Senate Minority Leader Tom Kane Jr. It's Mikey Sherrill and Josh Godheimer in North Jersey. Important to point out that the last time New Jersey had a map uh, after the 2010 census, uh, the Kim seat, the Malinowski seat, the Sherrill seat, the Godheimer seat, they were all held by Republicans. Kim and Malinowski beat Republicans. Godheimer beat Republican. Mikey Sherrill scared one of the most powerful Republicans in Congress, a man named Rodney Freelingheisen, the chairman of the House Appropriations Committee, scared him out of the race. He didn't even bother running again when he saw what that 2018 midterm landscape was going to be looking like. And, and to be clear, in my opinion, because you can't, you can't really go back Monday morning quarterback and say this would have happened or wouldn't have happened, but... I'm pretty sure that had Hillary Clinton won the presidential election in 2016 and 2018 was her midterms, uh, Kim and Malinowski, Mikey Sherrill, maybe even Josh Gottheimer, uh, they'd be, they wouldn't be in Congress today. So, so this process is not easy. And, and I'm not sure that Democrats can save everybody, but they, they sure are trying. The tiebreaker here is, John Wallace, he's a former state Supreme Court justice. He's been meeting with both parties in a bid to find a little bit of common ground. And and you might remember uh, John Wallace. He's the only justice in New Jersey history to not get renominated for a tenured seat on the top court. That was back in 2011 when Republican Governor Chris Christie refused to reappoint him. Wallace is a Democrat. 
Technically, he's the 13th member. It's supposed to be the independent member of the commission, the court-appointed tiebreaker. Uh, he was the winner of his own election of sorts. The, the two parties couldn't agree on, on a tiebreaker, so each side sent one name to the seven-member New Jersey Supreme Court. They held a vote. It was a secret ballot, so I don't know who voted for who, but Wallace won. He beat a, a another former judge that the Republicans wanted. So whatever happens over the next few days, Wallace wants a map. He says he's telling, at least telling uh, the Democratic and Republican commissioners he wants a new map before Christmas. And whatever the congressional delegation, uh, whatever congressional redistricting looks like, could it will have national implications. It, it could help decide whether Nancy Pelosi or Kevin McCarthy is the next speaker of the House of Representatives. This is David Wildstein. You are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I will be joined today by Donald Payne Jr., a Democratic congressman from New Jersey's 10th District. He is the chairman of an important House Transportation and Infrastructure Subcommittee. And I'll speak with Art Gallagher, a brilliant Republican strategist and political consultant. So please don't go anywhere. You won't, won't want to miss that. And right now, uh, and it is always always my pleasure, I'm joined by New Jersey Globe political reporter Joey Fox. I want to talk about What's shaping up to be a fascinating week in Trenton starting on Monday leading into the Christmas holidays? Hi, Joey. How are you? I'm doing good, David. How are you? I'm doing very well, thanks. Uh, let me first set up. Let's let's talk about what's going on in, in the New Jersey legislature. Both houses have voting sessions on Monday. It's part of the... The legislature's lame duck session. There's a there's a huge controversy among legislators over a vaccine policy. Joey, can you explain what's going on there? Yeah. So last time that both houses held a voting session, it was on Thursday, December second, and that day, um, a big group of assembly Republicans decided to stage a protest of the state house's policy that you had to either show proof of a negative test or show proof of vaccination, or get a rapid test and presumably test negative in order to enter the Assembly and Senate chambers. Um, so that was, that was December 2nd, and Assembly Republicans rebelled against it. They refused to comply with it. They eventually forced their way into the chamber. Uh, the state police and Democratic leaders weren't fully sure what to do. There was a multi-hour standoff where Assembly Republicans sort of camped out in the chambers, continuing to refuse to obey the policy. Um, and eventually... The state police and uh, the Assembly Speaker Craig Coughlin relented and held the voting session anyway, despite all these Republicans who had not who had not complied. And so now we've kind of gone into a hiatus in the time since there hasn't been a full voting session. There have been a lot of remote uh, com- Assembly Committee hearings. Uh, there was one day where there were in-person Assembly Committee hearings, but Republicans declined to participate in person. Uh, but that it seems like that kind of status quo is not tenable uh, starting on Monday. There's going to be a full voting session. Assembly Republicans have signaled they're going to protest the policy again. Democrats have signaled they're going to keep on going with in-person, uh, an in-person session anyways. And the courts have decided not to rule on it in the interim. So there's going to be, there's going to be a showdown in one way or another. It's not entirely clear how so yet, but there's definitely going to be something happening on Monday. When you say the, the, the courts, I mean, just to be clear to everybody, uh, the courts were asked to deal with this issue of the of the New Jersey Constitution, which says that a legislator cannot be blocked from going to Trenton to cast his or her vote, uh, except for reasons of, of high 
you know, high misdemeanor or or treason. So so I think what happened there? The the the, the state police had said they were going to enforce it, and then they they sort of just stood down, right? Yeah, I mean, they were put in a very strange and tough spot where. For a while, they successfully blocked off the chambers and told Assembly Republicans, you're not coming in, you're not following the policy, so you're not coming in. But eventually it was uh, Assemblyman Brian Bergen, uh, who just kind of pushed his way through and then called back from inside the chambers, hey, they're not going to stop you. Uh, and that was sort of, that was a pretty crazy position for the state police to be in. They either had to stand down from the policy or, you know, physically restrain and possibly arrest Republican lawmakers. So, um, so it was clear that it was clear that their orders weren't entirely clear on what to do in that situation, and you ended up with the kind of standoff you saw, and we might end up with a similar situation on Monday. We'll see. And you, Joey, and I'm speaking with Joey Fox, New Jersey Globe reporter. You pushed the governor on this uh, uh, at his first press conference after that happened, and you, you you asked about what was going on. What did what did Governor Murphy say to you? And then what did he say on Monday when you when he was asked about it again? So when myself and a few other reporters first asked the governor and then the superintendent of the state police, uh, Pat Callahan, when we asked both of them about um, about the incident on December 2nd, they pretty much stonewalled right from the beginning. They said, um, we're not going to comment on that. That's a security matter. Uh, they eventually both expounded on that a little bit and said there's an ongoing investigation, so we can't comment on it, uh, which, you know, has a little bit more backing behind it. But there was a particularly notable moment at uh, Superintendent Callahan's um, confirmation hearing just uh, this Thursday, where several senators asked really similar questions to what reporters have been asking, which is Democrats and Republicans, including Senate President Steve Sweeney and Majority Leader Loretta Weinberg. Yes, exactly. It was, it was both Republicans and Democrats who had pretty pointed questions for Callahan. Um, they were asking him, you know, what do you think of this policy? Uh, what were the, what were the state police doing? Were you interacting with the Attorney General? All these questions, and every single time he said. I wish I could say, but I'm not a liberty to discuss. It's an ongoing investigation. So we're, we're all still a little bit in the dark, both politicians, reporters, and the public alike. We're all a bit in the dark about exactly what transpired. And, and Assemblyman Jay Weber, he's a Republican from Morris County. He, uh, uh, he has been a, a strong conservative legislator for, 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 for a long time. Uh, his attorney sent a letter to the New Jersey Attorney General on Friday uh, saying he has no intention of following this policy uh, and that he has a constitutional right to go on the floor. He he said that if he's denied access, he said he will not take a COVID test. He, he will not provide proof of vaccination. And if anybody blocks his access to the assembly floor, he's going to head right to court. And, yeah, and, and assemb- Assemblyman Assemblyman Eric Peterson, who is one of the re- one of the leaders of the sure. of the sort of rebellion initially, has said a pretty similar thing. He said that he will basically personally sue anyone who tries to stop him from entering uh, yeah. without showing proof of vaccination or test. So there's definitely the few rep- Republican legislators in particular who are who are really pushing this, who are taking this to the next level. You know, it'd be a great question for you to ask me, Joe, and you, and you and I have not talked about this, but but ask me why this is in the New Jersey Constitution. 
Okay, David, why is this in the New Jersey Constitution? So, so, so that, is, that is a great question, and, and it goes back, and everybody knows that I am, a, I am a, a New Jersey politics history nerd, and I'm proud of it. But, but back in the 1890s, there was this situation where the legislature was going to tax the railroads. The railroads were all privately owned, you know, a bunch of these robber barons who, who owned the railroad. Uh, they were going to put a big tax on them, so the railroad owner... Uh, from 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 the stories that I have I, I have read about this, uh, the railroad owner paid off a county sheriff, and the county sheriff's job was to physically block New Jersey legislators from going to Trenton so they wouldn't vote to tax the railroads, and that's why it's in the Constitution. So the question is, I guess, is going to be for the courts of what are they going to do? Are they going to uphold? I mean, I don't know if they can say that the Constitution is unconstitutional. So I think it's it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I want to ask you before our time runs out, and I'm speaking with Joey Fox, a New Jersey Globe political reporter. Steve Sweeney sort of announced his campaign for governor this week at a, at a convention of the State Plumbers Union in Atlantic City. Uh, Sweeney, who, who lost his state Senate seat, uh, uh, in November, says he's running for governor in in 2025. Joey, you you talked to Senate President Sweeney about uh, gun safety issues in the lame duck session. What did what, what's going on there? Yeah, so um, Governor Phil Murphy and then Assembly Speaker Coughlin came to an agreement pretty recently uh, uh, about gun control legislation, where Murphy has pushed through a couple of different gun safety packages in previous legislative sessions, and um, he's working on a third, getting a third through the legislature right now. So there's, I believe it's nine total bills, um, you know, ranging from a couple of them are pretty minor, but a couple of them have pretty major implications. They would require safe storage of guns for, and ammunition, for example, or ban 50 caliber weapons, or a few things like that. Um, so the Assembly and Murphy seem to be pretty on board, but when I talked with Sweeney on Thursday, he was much less on board. He was talking about how he doesn't want to do legislation for legislation's sake and how some of these bills he was suspicious of. Um, so that could definitely have an impact on whether these bills pass in this lame duck session. It could also potentially have an impact on if Sweeney is really trying to build, you know, a statewide coalition of Democrats. He's coming from a geographical disadvantage because he's from South Jersey, where there are fewer Democrats overall, and he might be coming from an ideological disadvantage because those kinds of positions are not necessarily where the average New Jersey Democrat is at. And that'll make it... Clearly very, very hard for him in a Democratic primary, although one of the things we exactly. all of us who have watched Steve Sweeney for more than 20 years know that uh, uh, you never, ever count him out. But uh, Joey Fox, New Jersey Globe political reporter, thank you for, for calling in and, and uh, looking forward to reading your reports on the New Jersey Globe on what happened in the legislature on Monday. Thanks for having me. Okay, thank you. And I will be right back to speak with Congressman Donald Payne, a New Jersey Democrat. You are not going to want to miss what he has to say. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. Welcome back, everybody. Donald Payne was elected to Congress in 2012. He is now the chairman of an influential House Transportation Infrastructure Subcommittee. I'm pleased to have him on the New Jersey Globe Power Hour today. Congressman, welcome. Thank you for having me, Dave. Thank you. And, and Congressman, I mean, you are... You are by nature a quiet guy. You're you're not a you're not a show off, uh, but but 
that doesn't diminish a lot of work that you're doing in the in the communities uh, that you serve. But, but a lot of people don't know uh, what you've accomplished in Washington. And I've, I've come to learn that you, you know, you have, have accomplished a great deal. What, what should people know about Donald Pinch Jr.? That um, I go to Washington every week to serve people in the 10th district and look at ways of continuing to enhance the life and the quality of life for all Americans, regardless of what neighborhood they live in. And you, one of, one of the things, and, and look, I mean, I've 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 spoken to you. I've gotten to to know you uh, uh, more recently than ever before. Uh, you know, I will say it to everybody: you are you are a kind, you are a decent human being. You uh, you 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 work hard. I, I guess. I guess one of the things that's hard, maybe for journalists, maybe for the public, is is not everybody can go to Washington and be a show off. You've got to have some people that are that are sort of sort of behind the scenes, really, really working. Is that is that you? Is that your? Is that really what what your your accomplishment is? There is is you're just a guy who doesn't you know you don't stand up on you know up on the stage and wave your arms and 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 just show off. Right. I, you know, I, I consider myself, um, a, um, a soldier, a supporter, uh, uh, a man that, that, that tries to stand up for people that don't have a voice. And, um, you know, just because you're not the loudest person in the room doesn't mean that you're not effective. And, um, it's no mistake that, uh, in a, in a state where, um, you know, the Northeast Carter runs through, and um, most of my constituents use that to get to their uh, places of, of, of business um, or work, that, um, you know, I felt it was important that I uh, vie for the position of chairman of the um, very powerful Railroad Pipelines and Hazardous Material Committee. And I was able, I was able to succeed um, there and win that position. So... You don't necessarily have to be the loudest person in the room. You just have to be effective. And and because of because of you, because of some others in the in the delegation, it it seems that the Gateway Tunnel looks like it's going to happen. That there there might be you know for the first time in a very long time a, a new a new tunnel under the Hudson River connecting New Jersey and New York. You've you've got to be very proud of that. Very excited um, at the prospect of that. You know. Um, the um, the first iteration, the the art tunnel was uh, scuttled as a project by the uh, former governor Christie, and uh, you know reformed as the Gateway Project. Um, had the art tunnel um, stayed in place, we would already be digging. We we would probably be through on the other side of the river, but um, that didn't happen. So we have been working um, vigorously the entire. Jersey delegation, um, along with the support of the New York and Connecticut and um, people up and down the Northeast Corridor, understanding how important and vital this rail link is. 20% of this country's gross national product goes through those tunnels. And um, it could cost $100 million a day in lost revenue if, if those tunnels fail. 
And tell me about also the Portal Bridge. It's also a, a big deal, and you you played an in, uh, an instrumental role in in obtaining funding for for that project. What's t- t- what's going on with the Portal Bridge? Where does it stand right now? Well, the contract has been awarded, and we are um, in the process of starting the construction of the Portal North Bridge. It is the first part of the Gateway Project, a uh, vital link across the Hackensack River, that um, uh, this bridge is over 110 years old now. And uh, it was actually first designed um, right after the Civil War and then built in 1910. Well, this, is, this bridge uh, is a bridge that we depend on every day um, for these 460 trains that cross it uh, into, into New York every day. And um, the bridge is in, is in great disrepair. And uh, they say that when um, the, the turret, it's a turret bridge, so it turns to allow ships to go up and down the river and when it goes when it turns back into place uh, the bridge doesn't lock you have to take a sledgehammer and bang it in the last few inches for the rails to lock so I think it might be time that we replace that piece of structure and and when, when while the guys out there with the sledgehammer trying to fix this you have you have thousands of people sitting on trains unable to get back and forth. Absolutely. There have people, there have been people that have been stuck because of the Portal North Bridge over the last decade, um, trying to move back and forth, um, home and, and Dave, if that bridge fails, traffic stops between Boston and, and Washington DC. Right. So it's a very, very crucial crossing. It is. And I'm speaking with Congressman Donald Payne of New Jersey. Congressman, one of the issues you've worked very hard on is is clean water and, and safe drinking water for for people all over the country. What's that that that's that was part of of the infrastructure bill. Uh tell me what that means for your district and for New Jersey. Well, uh, Dave, you know in New Jersey we've We've seen issues of problems with drinking water. Uh, I think Flint, Michigan is the the, the most famous uh, uh, situation that, that we knew of. And uh, I and several members of Congress flew out to Flint to talk to the people there and, um, and see what was happening. And that weekend, we flew back to New Jersey, and uh, I met with several of the mayors from the 10th district where I, where I represent. And I said, you know, what I saw in Flint, we all need to be concerned about our drinking water. And subsequently that was on a Friday, that Tuesday, they found the issues in North drinking water with the uh, lead, the lead issue. And so uh, I have been diligent since that point in, in fighting that issue uh, we in Newark are very proud. Uh, we have uh, almost replaced 99% of the lead uh, lead service lines into people's homes in Newark. So we're we're almost at 100% of removing that contamination. But there, are, you know, communities all over the all over the country that need it. And so 
knowing I didn't want to see what happened in Newark, you know, happen across the country, uh, I fought to get money placed in the infrastructure bill um, for clean water, and it contains um, $55 billion to replace lead piping and provide clean drinking water for all Americans. So I worked very diligently at that, and, um, you know, overall, um, it uh, it was a great accomplishment. And I'm speaking with Congressman Donald Payne, and and when it, when I hear the name Donald Payne, uh, Congressman, I, I I I I think about your dad all the time. I mean, I I first met your father in the early '70s. Uh, uh, he was he was a legend, New Jersey's first black congressman. He and I were he was on the Newark City Council when I was in my early 20s, and 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 elected to the Livingston Township Council. We were both Essex County elected officials together. I I knew him. I mean. What a phenomenal man. And whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or a liberal or conservative, I've never heard anybody say anything uh, bad about Congressman Donald Payne Sr. What, what is it like to, to follow in his footsteps? That's gotta be, it's got to be daunting. Oh, it's, it, it's quite an honor. And, uh, you know, a, a, a president and a figure like that cast a, a long shadow. But, um, you know, I have never been... Um, Never been sad about being in the shade sometimes. Sometimes you need to get out of the sun. And um, he was just a, an incredible man. I know he was my father, but to your point, he uh, just was a uh, real humanitarian and cared about people. And I tried to follow that same, that same uh, uh, model, um, just trying to do the things I saw him do. Um, for people. And, um, you know, that's why I go to Washington every week. It's not about power politics. It's about people and public service. And I, you know, hope that people at the 10th district continue to allow me the honor to, uh, represent them in Washington. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, again, I mean, your, your dad was, was just phenomenal. And, and, and I, I watched it. I watched him, I watched him pull people together, you know, you know, local issues, things where, where, where there, there, there really wasn't a lot of middle ground and he, he was always able to find it. So, so thank you. Uh, I, I say this to you, you know, to, to the entire fa- Payne family, you I mean, thank you. Thank you for sharing him with New Jersey for all those years. Oh, well, um, Dave, I really appreciate you pointing out um, the work that he tried to do for mankind. Really, uh, yeah, he was a great human being. He was, he was, and uh, and I appreciate you coming on today. And and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thank you for having me, and and this this didn't hurt at all. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, Congressman Donald Payne, and I will be right back to speak with Republican political consultant Art Gallagher, one of the, the smartest guys on the Republican side in New Jersey. You won't want to miss this. This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. Art Gallagher is a Republican political consultant, strategist in New Jersey, one of the the brightest political minds on the Republican side, and and it it is always a pleasure to have him on. Art, thanks for for being here. 
David, thank you very much for having me back, and thanks for that uh, for those kind words. The, one of the brightest. Wow. Well, and I mean it. I mean it. You, you know, I, I, I love speaking to you, and 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 hopefully, uh, hopefully, people over the next few minutes are going to be able to hear what 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 I get to hear a lot of the time, which is your 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 insights, uh, your very smart insights into what's happening. So, so let's talk about the twenty twenty one elections. Was that uh, Republicans had a very good year in New Jersey? They didn't win the governorship. Uh, they came within three points, but they didn't win it. But they made gains in the legislature. Uh, is 2021 the opening act to what people might be able to see in next year's midterm elections? Um, certainly a lot of Republicans think so and hope so. But anybody who's, who, who said they saw, saw that coming uh, is lying. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Uh, um, I'm pretty good at been blessed with pretty good um, good at predicting trends and what's going to happen o- over the years. But when I woke up on um, Wednesday morning and checked out your site and, and saw that Steve Sweeney had lost, I fell off my chair. I thought I was. Yeah, nobody saw that. Stuff. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. And um, including, by the way, uh, including Ed Durr, the, the 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 new senator elect from from the third oh, district. Know. I, I met him that weekend, and he he was still shocked. <laughs> it was uh, I think he still is. Who's he's, he's a, a, a very bright and humble man, and um, and a very funny man. Um, the the people of uh, of his district and all of New Jersey are lucky to have him, and they've got a very disciplined uh, operation down there with him and and um, and Steve Cush. Yeah, and, and I think he's going to serve the people well. And let me ask you about about Edgar. Edgar's a truck driver. He had run for office twice before without success. He didn't have. He hardly had. He hardly had any money at all. Uh, you know, he had. A, he had uh, uh, his his work ethic. He had the brains of Steve Cush behind him. But but what caused Steve Sweeney, who who people have gone after him with huge amounts of money before, what caused Sweeney to lose? Well, you know, and and Steve has said, and I think you reported or somebody did that. You know, he every poll he had had him showed up in double digits, eleven or sixteen percent, and you know, and he was starting his campaign, his twenty twenty five campaign for governor, which seems like it's still going to go forward. Um, but he he thought he had it in the bag, and um, you know, and that that kind of hubris. Uh, and I don't mean that pejorative, really, but you really thought there was no competition, and that's how he uh, he took it for granted. You know, I um, I have always admired the Middletown, New Jersey Republican organization um, because they don't take, they never lose, and they never take any race for granted. And there was, um, you know, the the candidate that they put up for one of the count, the one of the township committee seats this year had a criminal background and, you know, and they dug it up and, and blasted it out. And, you know, insiders were saying, what are you beating up on this guy for? You got this election in the bag. And, um, you know, and there was a lot of people who said, gosh, you know, if they digging into like Matt Katz did after the election, um, Ed Doerr's social media history or, you know, which may have been, who knows, it might, that might've helped. And in that election, although I don't, I think he was probably embarrassed by it. Um, the you know you take any you can't take any election for granted. And, and I'm that, speaking with that's got to be the um, that's true. Uh, that's got to be the the lesson. And um, you know, and that was the lesson 
you know, Vingo Pau in the 11th district, you know, had a scare and his two running mates lost. And they, you know, Vin he never took the foot off his foot off the gas for four years. He was he was and you know, he was at 100 miles an hour all the time. Yeah, but he'll tell you that he he thought he was going to win easy. And, um, and and he operated that way. And it's human nature um, to. Um, you know, it's human nature not to give 110% when you don't have a, a component. Competition makes people better. And, and, and just to put, put Dur into some perspective, just for, for people, you know, in, in, in North Jersey and the New York area that, that aren't familiar with that, this district is South South Jersey. This is, uh, this is a district that is bordered on one side by, by Pennsylvania and on the other side by Delaware. So this is, that's not, that's not a typical uh, Democratic district, anyway. That Sweeney had been able to hold for twenty years. Yes, and you know, and 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 as the Sweeney that and the Norcross machine, um, which has got taken a, a beating that nobody could have seen over the last two cycles. Um, you know, it's a matter of really taking it for granted. You know, getting happy and comfortable. Sure, and yeah. it's hard not to. It's hard not to do that when there's no competition. And I'm speaking with Republican strategist Art Gallagher. I mean, Art, you, you, you can't deny the history of American politics that, that the party out of the White House does well in, in the midterms. They pick up House seats. In New Jersey, and, and I mentioned this at the start of the show, uh, New Jersey right now, right at literally at this moment, they're, they're, they're sitting down at, at some dumpy hotel in Cherry Hill trying to draw a map for for the 12 seats, uh, what are what are the Republicans going to look for in congressional redistricting? Well, I I don't think it. Well, first I should I should really be asking you because most of what I know about redistricting I learned from reading your work, David. Um, but well, thank the, you. Uh, you're welcome. But it's um, it's no secret the biggest target is. Um, uh, the Malinowski district, the seventh congressional district that, um, he won just by 1% over, um, Tom Kane Jr., uh, Senate minority leader, uh, in the last election, um, the last federal election. You know, that, that's the Republicans' biggest target. And, um, and I, and I don't, and I think Malinowski's in trouble. I don't think he's made a lot of, a lot of friends in New, in the New Jersey Republican circles. I'm not sure he's made a lot of friends in Washington either, but um, I. And the issue with his, the issue that, that that he's facing with with having been late in reporting stock transactions that has that has really dominated his second term as a congressman. It certainly it certainly has, and um, and Republicans are not going to let up on the gas on that. And I, I I think that the Democrats' strategy probably should be what to kind of you know let. Kind of give give that one up and see if they can um, get something else. But Republicans seem to think that they can do well up in the eleventh against uh, Mikey Sherrill. I'm not so sure about that. I think Mikey's a bit of a rock star, and that district has been trending left um, on a local level. It's certainly you know the Republican um, Republicans are doing well in you know county and and local races there. But I think the um, the, I think Republicans are hopeful there. I haven't. I'm not sure they have the strongest candidates. Mike has got a, has raised a lot of money, and she's a very attractive candidate and projects herself as a moderate. 
to uh, that to appeal um, to Republicans and independents in that district. And the same with Josh um, Gottheimer. The Josh Gottheimer yeah, I has. Think Josh, I think Josh Gottheimer really is a moderate, and uh, and and I grew up in that district in uh, in Bergen County, and, and still have some ties there. I uh, the son of a legendary you, councilman. That's right. Thank you very much. Who's uh, would have had his 90th birthday this week. And um, the um, I think I think Josh is pretty safe. Uh, and you've dubbed him the, the human fundraising machine. And that's true. Eleven million dollars. Uh, right. I mean, he's got eleven million dollars cash on hand and he's and he's still raising. Yeah, and, he, and he's still raising. And, you know, that he doesn't need eleven million dollars for his own campaign. You know, he'll he'll spread that money around. And, and that's where his real power in Washington will, will continue to come from. Uh, I think the, the next uh, best pickup, and again, a lot of that's going to be um, depend on what, what happens in, uh, in Cherry Hill over the, the next couple of days. But the Republicans really have to be targeting um, the third congressional district with Andy Kim. Um, they had... Um, Chitterelli won that district by 14 points against Phil Murphy this year. Yeah, the, the, and the, the um, Republicans are going to be motivated. Um, Congressman Kim has done a good job trying to work across both sides of the aisle. From what I, but what I'm hearing, um, you know, they're tr- going to try. They're going to. The Democrats are going to work harder to save him, uh, probably to the detriment of Malinowski. Um, you know, they're trying to make his district more Democratic. And that'll probably make um, Congressman Chris Smith's job, you know, even more easier. He consistently wins at over 60 percent. Um, but the, his district and people ought never, ever, ever uh, discount Chris Smith's electoral strength. They're just just the, the direct to voter contact he's had for 42 years. Just just tremendous. Just amazing. It, it's just tremendous. And there and there are people on. Uh, on both sides of the aisle, who will always vote for him? I, I, you know, worked on his camp. His first campaign with his that I worked on was 2018, and I was shocked um, walk, when I would walk through um, county fairs or local fairs with him. People would line up with tears in their eyes to thank him for the difference that he made in their in their families' lives. Uh, and I've never, I've never, I've been involved in politics a long time. I've never seen such love for a congressman um, at that level, uh, at, or any politician. And uh, and and he really does work that hard for his constituent services. And he's not flashy. He's 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 he doesn't want the limelight. He's he's really a shy man, but he believes in his heart. Um, what. He's been the opportunity he's been given to serve. And let me ask you, Art, I'm speaking with Art Gallagher, one quick question before we, we go to break. And you've generously agreed to, to come back after the break and, and, and answer some more questions. But sure. uh, Sue Kiley, Monmouth County Commissioner, uh, said this week that she is entertaining a, a run for Congress against Frank Pallone, who is one of the most powerful Democrats in Washington, chairman of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Is, is that a winnable race? Um, yeah, and full disclosure, Sue has asked for my my help in that race, and uh, or if she gets into the race. Right now, I am advising her on building a team should she decide to get in on it. Um, so, yes, if I'm involved, it's a winnable race. 
<laughs> we will we will leave the segment at that, and I, and I and I have more to speak about with Republican strategist Art Gallagher, who will who will stay on with me when we come back. So so don't go anywhere, please. This is David Wildstein. I'm the editor of the New Jersey Globe, and you are listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Welcome back, everybody, and I am still speaking with Art Gallagher, the very talented Republican strategist in New Jersey. Uh, Art, I want we've all been following what's been going on in Trenton uh, with with the Assembly Republican Caucus. They, they have been speaking out against a... A, uh, a policy that requires them to show proof of vaccine or, or, or negative COVID test before they come in. Are we, is this what we're going to see as, as the Republican minority expanded in the last election, a, a more partisan, a more conservative, a more aggressive uh, Republican minority? I think so. And I think you're going to have more part, certainly have more partisan leadership in the assembly. Um, John Bramnick is with the long-term assembly minority leader, having moved up to the uh, the Senate, um, was much more um, collegial um, and congenial than I think um, uh, Leader DeMeo is going to be. And um, the I think you're, I think it's going to be more partisan. And I, I think the the speaker t- um, kind of gave them a gift. Because the, the 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 constitutional is unambiguous uh, in, in terms of you know the preventing, as you and Joey were talking about at the top of the show, uh, and Jay Weber's letter to the Attorney General today saying you know if you if you enforce this this mandate you know we're going right to court, and I um, I think even in in New Jersey I don't see how the court sides with. Um, with with the speaker or the attorney general on this. We, yeah, but you know what? I've, I've seen this. I've seen this over the over the years. This is you know I'm ending my my 48th year in New Jersey politics, and I have uh, uh, I I've grown to to you know to 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 live with my disappointments with the courts. It seems that sometimes even the Constitution is a little fungible when it comes to politics. Yes, it, it could happen, and it wouldn't would not be a complete shock. Yeah, I guess we'll find out what kind of uh, integrity the justices have. Um, in terms of re- reading the language in, of the law, but um, but it's a good it's a good battle, and I think it's a good issue uh, for Republicans as Ed Doors' victory um, speaks to, spoke loudly to. You know, he'll tell you he won because Sweeney stopped standing up to Murphy, and I think a lot of uh, in Murphy's mandates and as in edicts through his executive orders, the. Um, and I, I think on both sides of the aisle, people are tired of being told what to do. And there's a lot of COVID fatigue. There is some fear um, media generated primarily, but, you know, with the new surge, Omicron seems to be less deadly, but more prevalent. Uh, I think, we, you know, we're going to get to a place where everybody's had COVID vaccinated or not uh, some very, some shape or form for it. And hopefully it'll, it'll end up being like the common cold. Um, whether that takes six months or, ye- or a year, who knows? But um, but it is a time for caution time. too. Everybody's got to be take this really seriously. So. People have to take it seriously. I was talking to a Republican senator earlier in the day. 
uh, who says, you know, the, the, you know the, the problem now is we won't know for another couple of weeks, even if Omicron is less deadly, is it going to be so prevalent that there's a strain on the hospital system again? And, you know, we've, we've seen um, in the Murphy administration and the, the Biden administration a less than candid messaging um, on, on the science and the facts and, and the kind of a power grab. And people on both sides are getting tired of it. So what's, what are we looking at for the future, Art, just in terms of the Republican Party? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I've been doing this a long time. You've been doing this a long time. There's a lot of people that are younger than you and, you and I uh, that are coming up through the ranks, uh, you know, on, on both sides. Who are the rising stars in your view in Trenton? Who are the ones that everybody should watch? The Republican, the Republican rising stars, um, on the elected level, certainly, um, Brian Bergen, Assemblyman Brian Bergen from Morris County, is establishing himself as an outspoken leader who appeals um, to the far right but is not crazy. Um, in Middletown, um, Mayor Tony Perry is certainly a rising star, um, very, very talented, uh, and, continue, and he'll probably be mayor again in the town, township committee form of government where it's usually a, a rotating um, mayor. Um, Councilman Jeff Booker uh, in Seabright, I think, should be looked as a, a rising star. Um, Repu- I thought it was a big loss that Ryan Peters didn't run for re-election for the Republican Party. I thought it was a big loss. I, I, I agree. I understand why, why Ryan did that, and, I, and it's going to be something. And I respect that- it. And just just everybody knows Ryan Peters is. I mean, he's still under forty. Didn't run for re-election. Said. You know, he wants to spend time uh, coaching his kids, and and Ryan Peters is a Navy SEAL. He's still, you know, he went to Annapolis. He uh, he he has uh, uh, served overseas. He's now in a reserve unit. He's the commander of a reserve SEAL unit. He could he could get deployed at any time. He could get deployed at any time. I, as I don't know Ryan personally, I do know him professionally, but I think he has a young family too, yes. and that's that's one of the challenges. Um, that young rising stars have is, you know, this business can be all consuming and, um, it's hard even for the part-timers. It's a full, it's a full-time plus job. You know, it's a full-time plus job. And I've advised some people, um, you know, much younger than me, you know, don't, don't waste your children's lives. You know, if you've had some success in your twenties and thirties, take 10 years off and come back in your forties or fifties. Sure. Um, Let me ask you about a, a, an assemblywoman elect from from your part of the world, from Monmouth County. That I have been—I don't know her, but I, I'm told to keep an eye on her, which is which is Vicky Flynn. Vicky Flynn is def- definitely a rising star. She's very bright. She's very personable. She, um, at, at the moment at least, is um, my assemblywoman elect. I think very highly of her. Um, she's personable. She's very bright. She's very hardworking. She did a great job on the Homedale Board of Education. She was a very hardworking candidate. Um, she gets along well with her um, district mate, Senator Declan O'Scanlan, and um, and Assemblyman Jerry Scharfenberger. Um, she's she's got a future. Um, she's got a few. She's got a future in a tough district. I don't know that she's. You know, I think De- Declan's got a few terms left in him if he wants to continue to serve in the Senate. Uh, if he didn't, you know, there'd be a lot of people lining up for that Senate seat. And I've got to think uh, that Senator Declan O'Scanlan, Senator Mike Testa, these are, you know, Mayor Tony Perry, Brian Bergen, Ryan Peters. These are these are all potential gubernatorial candidates. 
potential gubernatorial candidates in 2025. You know, uh, Jack Cittarelli's got to be considered the, the top of the heap. I, I kind of, right. given what he's uh, declared that he's running again, I would not be surprised to see him be the nominee, kind of like uh, Jim McGreevy kept running after he lost to Christy Whitman by uh, an arrow. Cittarelli's got to figure, Art, uh, Art that, that he was going to have to run anyway in 2025. So what the heck? You know, he was planning on running for re-election. Okay. Uh, this is, anyway, thank you. Uh, we, we lost Art Gallagher, unfortunately, but he will be back someday, I promise. Uh, thank you for listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour. Uh, this is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. And don't miss next week's show with Michael Rasmussen. We are going to pick apart the New Jersey Globe Power List that comes out on Monday. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. So thanks, everybody, and, and have a great week.